Rutgers legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. Once again, I am joined by my co-host of Tactical Tuesday, Mr. John. I am Coach Brad, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com. We're going to be breaking down a little bit bigger stakes this week because John is putting on his big boy britches and moving up to where they respect his raises. John, tell us about your adventures in the 2K Ignition streets. Uh, yeah, so pretty much exactly like Brad said, I decided to take my first shot at uh, 1020 No Limit on Ignition this weekend. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit overdue. I've been playing 1KNL since like mid-December. So yeah, I don't know. Just felt like it was time. Felt like uh, was just felt pretty good about my game on on like the week going into going into last weekend. Um, and so, yeah, I have a couple, two of the bigger pots that I played uh, in the last three days for Tactical Tuesday. And I believe that we did our first coaching session together last August. Yes, it was the beginning, like the first week of August last year. So you got three months to conquer 1020 NL. And over the course of one year, you will have successfully slayed the ignition cash game streets and made it to the point to where you can't play any bigger. How does that feel? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to think about it too early. It, it's not like I, I just rampaged through 1020 this weekend or anything like that. It was definitely, uh, that's why I said you got three months, right? Yeah, like you got true. three I'm months. Joking. I got three months to figure it out. I mean, yeah, that it's looking back. It's just incredible. Like if someone told me last August that like, Hey, like, you know, if you just stick with Brad and, and like this community for a year, you, you'll be playing 1020 online comfortably, um, in like nine months, I would, there were just like no chance that I would, I would have believed that. I like, I remember there were like, there's, you know, a handful of people like playing higher stakes, um, you know, playing like 500, 1k and like 2k and L when I first came into, uh, greatness village last year. And I just like, was like in awe, like just like looking at some of their hand histories that they bring into poker power and just being like, like, I don't know what I'm ever going to be able to play stakes like that big. Like, I hope I get to do that. Like, you know, before I die. <laughs> <or something>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's just, that's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty unbelievable to like, look back and think about just, um, you know, how, how far we've come from the hundred NL days, uh, eight months ago. I mean, it, it's, it's all a testament to, you know, your intelligence, your work ethic, your tenacity, and following orders, right? Like just doing the things that we talk about that we go over, executing even when it makes you feel somewhat uncomfortable because like that's the path, right? Like growth growth is almost always in, you know, outside of your sphere of comfort. And that's just the reality of it. And you are one of the human beings that seek out opportunities to grow and be uncomfortable. And it's no surprise that because you put yourself in those uncomfortable situations and you're always striving to be the best that you can, that you have progressed much faster than most people do. So 
congratulations. Well done. I'm very proud of you. And all of it is well earned. Yeah. No, thanks. That that definitely means a lot coming from uh coming from my coach and and you know, now someone I consider like a close uh friend and like poker friend for sure. And speaking of uncomfortable situations, I guess that's a good segue into these two hands because I was pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> Both of them. Good. If you were comfortable, we probably wouldn't be covering them on Tactical Tuesday, right? So let's yeah. uh let's dive into these 1020 NL hands in the ignition streets. Sounds good. So First hand starts with a fish in middle position, open limping. Um, By the way, I just want to stop yeah. you there. There is a fish in middle position, open limping at 2K and L on ignition. You can oh, you uh, can proceed after this. I'm just saying yeah. that's a thing that still happens. For sure. So it gets even better, actually. So the fish limps in, in uh, middle position, and I ISO king, queen, offsuit, king of diamonds, queen of hearts um, to $90. There's another fish. Uh, on the button who flats the 90. Um, uh, this is actually pretty incredible. He's playing 27, one and one over <laughs> 183 hands. I don't know if I've ever seen stats like that. That's, uh, you know, pretty, I, I'm, I'm shocked to see that this exists at 1020, I guess, but happy to see it. Um, so anyways, he flats the button, uh, the small blind who appears to be a reg uh, flats as well. I, wouldn't expect most regs to have a flatting range in the small blind, but with a fish limping middle position and another fish uh, overcalling on the button, um, you know, I think the small blind can definitely justify having a much wider flatting range than uh, the normal big blind folds and the fish who open limped in middle position also folds. So we go three ways to a flop of king, nine, deuce, two spades. Again, I have king, queen, offsuit, king of diamonds, queen of hearts, uh, small blind checks. Um, I think this is a spot where if I was multi-way against two regs, I would probably be close to checking range or um, and just decide, just decide to like bet my very strongest hands and like maybe my strongest um, draws. But with the fish and on the button, I decided that uh, might be better to just start betting my top pair good kicker here. Um, and so I lead for a third pot, $97, $98 into... 310 the fish calls and then the small blind check raises to 435 dollars so uh check raises about 4x um my c bet i guess this is the first spot we should talk about yeah i mean this is pretty dicey i i think that you know your the first decision point as to you know whether to bet or whether to check the flop i my preference would just be to check here even with the fish on the button three ways we decide to bet, you know, top pair, second kicker. We get called by the fish and then check raised by the small blind. And now it's a bit of a spot, right? Because the small blind can close the action. And yet they're choosing to reopen the action against a player who isolated first and foremost the fish pre flop and then decided to bet three ways on the flop with the fish on the button. So your range is quite strong here. And this you know fish are not typically known for folding especially after calling the flop c bet and this player is still willingly putting more money into the pot so i'm already afraid i'm already feeling a little bit nervous about this situation i think that like the natural bluffs would be the queen jack the queen 10 and jack 10 of spades those hands make a lot of sense because they're all straight flush draws um but then on the value side uh we talked a little bit about this in the the pre-conversation, but two combos of king nine suited. I would have personally, 
Um, I would have three combos of nines and three combos of deuces. So, you know, we're already at like eight value combos compared to like three, three equity driven uh, combo draws. And I just have to imagine like our equity, even though we're calling 330 to win 940, our equity here is probably not looking so magnificent. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is like best case scenario here, we're up against a very strong draw and we don't, you know, we we're like a slight favorite if if that even. And then worst case, we're, you know, we're just dead pretty much. Um so I guess so yeah, I mean I guess the first thing we should go back to is uh not this deciding whether to see about this flop or not. And yeah, I mean <laughs> this is exactly what I was like. Like I, I see about the flop, the button calls and the flop by check raise, and my first thought was like, oh, this is why I should check the flop. So I don't get stacked in these situations or like I don't get put in these uh you know in these ridiculously tough spots with you know with kind of a meh hand, you know, it's I'd much rather just have like a set a jack of spades or something here. What's interesting is that the button their profile is twenty seven V pip, one pre flop raise and one three bed, which means that they actually have a lot of strong hands in their range, right? Like if they're not three betting pretty much anything, then they still have like a lot of strong hands and they're not even necessarily, they're playing fewer hands in the small blind here. Who's playing 29%. They're just playing them way more passively and not as aggressive. So like, I don't think that, you know, we're not targeting like a 60 V pip here that has like all the worst King X's and has a bunch of small flush draws and like, is going to call with like nine X. I mean, we don't know that necessarily that, you know, villains going to even call with like a hand, like eight, nine of diamonds when you start out by betting one third. Sure. Okay. That's, that's, that's definitely true. And like this guy was like, he was like limp calling pocket jacks preflop. So, uh, like, I don't know that his like preflop stats have like so much bearing on his like post flop, the way he plays post flop to the point where we can be like, oh, he probably just folds second pair to a third. But what, what's flop. the difference in like a a player who's playing twenty seven hands or twenty seven percent of hands passively versus somebody that's playing like sixty five percent of hands, right? Like just fundamentally, they get to the flop with like way more hands. And I, I mean, are, are you like, are you saying like, wh- what is that? What can I like extrapolate from their pre-flop stats about the way they play post-flop? Well, you're more likely to bet King queen here with a fish involved versus two regs because the fish has more like King 10 off King Jack off, uh, you know, King Trey suited King four suited, maybe even King five off or king seven off like this player is not going to be playing all those offsuit kings okay that you can maximize value from because you know they're playing about as many hands pre-flop as you are oh okay okay all right that makes sense i think that's yeah thinking of it that way it makes it way more obvious that like you know even though this guy's a fish this is like the type of fish that i should be playing my like top pairs as if I was playing against a reg and like playing a little bit more cautiously and uh, checking hands like King, Queen, King, Jack, maybe even Ace, King. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I was not, I definitely wasn't making that connection between uh, the types of hands or like the, the tightness of their range uh, pre-flop um, determining like whether I should be C-betting the flop or not, but that that makes a lot of sense. Like if it's against the player who limped originally, who's only played like nine hands, but they're like 56 slash 22, I'm way more inclined to bet against them than I am uh, this kind of 
exotic type fish we got we got going on here yeah okay all right so i guess that clears up like the first question which is should i would you even be betting this flop at all and and now we can move on to what i'm guessing you're going to say is you would be folding to this check raise uh from the small blind pretty happily i mean i'm never happy but (laughs) i'm never happy making uh folds that are fairly big folds but i just don't I just think it's it's appropriate. I mean, it's just nothing else to do. I'd rather call with my, you know, ace queen of spade type hands than king queen. I don't really know how to continue on many turns. I've just yeah, it's just a not a not a pleasant situation to be in with king queen and just because the button called, I don't think the small blinds like going out of their way looking for a fight. And like we kind of broke down earlier, like they've got value and then some equity driven bluffs and like if we just run the run the equity calc we're just not doing so well gotcha okay yeah and and like just speaking to the point that you made about like you know if you call if you do call this check raise what are you doing on uh turns and rivers like how are you going to play future runouts and like navigate them that was sort of my that was my big concern uh (laughs) like like looking at this hand, I guess, in game, I was thinking, like, I can tell you in game, like, my thought was like, okay, if I call this check raise, like, I'm just committing to this hand, and, like, I'm gonna have to call down on rickish runouts, especially, like, non-spade runouts, uh, and non-straight completing run. I'm I'm just gonna have to, like, hold on and call because calling this check raise and then folding on, like, a turn deuce of diamonds would just be insane. Uh, oh, I we, think. We would love the deuce of diamonds. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Uh, I call the 435. By the way, the um, the reg and the small blind and I are 100 big blinds effective. Um, I think I forgot to forgot to mention that um, at the beginning of the hand. So I call the 435. The button folds. Um, the turn is the eight of hearts. So the board is now king, nine, deuce, eight with a spade flush draw and a heart flush draw. Um, there's $1,277 in the middle. The small blind to its effective stack has 1771 behind and decides to bet exactly half pot 636, uh, leaving himself with 1100 behind. Um, I guess, Brad, you, you, you're folding the flop, so you don't really deal with the spot. Um, one thing that I think is important that I didn't touch on, on uh, in the flop discussion is the turns the eight of hearts, you have the queen of hearts. I would say that like if we are looking for some lower equity type check raises that villain may get a little bit out of line with, I think that like the most natural ones would be something like Queen Jack or Queen Ten of Hearts because they have a gut shot. Doesn't really matter if they get bet three bet because they have low equity and they can also realize some fold equity with their check raises. And plus, like they just need some more bluffs because I I suspect that like if they've only got Queen Jack, Jack 10 and Queen 10 of spades to go along with all their value, they're, you know, under bluffing here. So like that's the most natural hand for them to check raise the flop with. And so it's not very good that we have the Queen of Hearts in our hand because then they don't have Queen Jack or Queen 10 of Hearts. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. I see. Yeah, I wasn't even really thinking about the Queen of Hearts that much in this hand i was just happy that i didn't have the queen of spades okay yeah that's another layer to this hand that i was not considering like their lower equity check raises are probably going to be those types of like gut shot flash plus backdoor flush draw type hands or maybe like double backdoor or backdoor flush or backdoor straight draw with like i don't know 
an eight of hearts or something like that. Um, okay, interesting. What do you think about the size? What do you think about the size uh, from the small no, blind? No idea. I I don't know. I just assumed that like this is the way they structure their strategy here, betting half pot with their full range. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't really know that it's supposed to be a thing. Um, yeah. But I I can see how they would want to structure it this way with their sets versus like a lot of like one pair type hands. Gotcha. I would probably go a third though. I don't think they necessarily, I don't think, I think a half pot's like a little, yeah, I would just go one third and then jam rivers. Hmm. All right. I, for me, it's like a little scary to go like one third, like go the small size out of position on like such a dynamic board when uh, like, I, I feel like I, I, I sort of, I'm scared of using that size and giving the in position player like such a good price with their with their draws. Uh, that's sort of why I, I feel like I, I would tend to use the larger size in these spots with both my draws and my value. Mostly thinking that like my value doesn't want to give you know an insane price to the to the cutoff to just peel like a stack of spades and not even have to think about whether that you know uh, whether they're getting a good price or not. Okay, so anyways. Uh, Small blind leads, 636, leaving 1,100. Let's kind of go back. Let's kind of go back to what you just said there. Because like, if you bet one third and it's like such a no-brainer to just call, right? Like, then if you have a high equity draw, then betting one third serves you pretty well because you just don't get raised, right? Like, you just rarely get raised with villains like top pairs, their aces, those type of hands. The hands that they're not going to fold to your bet either way. Yeah, that's a good point. But... I mean, you're always jamming the river, right? So, yeah. Like, what's, the, what's the difference? Like, <laughs> I mean, I just want consistency. Like, I just want to consistently structure my strategy in a way that, like, I'm playing all my hands. And so, I personally, I don't mind overbet ripping here from the villain. I don't mind going like one third. I don't love the middling size, though. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we get the middling size. Uh, my thought process in game was that if I call this, I'm never folding any river for like what would be less than half pot, um, assuming the small blind jams river. Um, I thought that I can jam here and still get called by all of his combo draws that are going to be getting close to uh, three to one uh, versus the jam. Not, I think, like a big consideration for me is that, like, I don't know that all those combo draws bluff the river often enough for me to justify calling here and then like calling a brick, calling a brick river. Like, I I just don't know that this guy is going to rip in half pot with jack ten of spades or queen ten of spades or queen jack of spades instead of just like check folding or or the river going check check. Uh, So that sort of uh, was a big part of why I decided to jam over the half pot bet. Why not just call and fold to a river jam on bricks? Yeah, but then what if he does jam? <laughs> so you're not that confident. Oh, no, yeah. I, I don't know which, which direction, it, but it's just like a disaster if he never does that. And I, you know, and I just, I feel like it's a disaster if he never bluffs the river. And I'll, I know I just get all turned and, well, whoops, like my combo draw didn't get there. Like, check, yeah, check. but then you check back versus checks and you fold versus rips, right? I mean, okay, if I was like extremely confident of the small blind strategy, yes, I would do that. But I, I, I don't know if I'll ever have that level of confidence versus versus an anonymous opponent. Um, 
<laughs> I'm like, come on, man. I have top hair. Like, are you saying I'm gonna fold to half pot on the on the river, please? Okay. <laughs> there are a lot of things that have narrowed down everybody's range at this point, but we'll just move on. Yeah. So uh, this ad did end pretty fortunately. I jam um, the small blind does call with uh, Jack ten of spades, so he flopped the gutter straight flush draw turn. Uh, an open ender to go along with this straight flush draw and uh, got the pure ace of hearts on the river, dodged all of the outs and uh, managed to get home safely with my pair of kings. Close. (laughs) 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 We got the best case scenario and had to dodge 15 outs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, It was funny because like I jammed and, and, you know, he went into the tank for like 10 seconds and I was like, thank God, like he didn't snap. That's good. And then he calls, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. If I, <laughs> I don't even know if I love this. Like, anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we won the hand. I think that, like, the takeaway from that spot is that not all fish are created equally. And, like, a passive fish that's not playing an obscene number of hands can be treated like a, like a reg in a multi ways pot just because you don't get the value from, like, all the offsuit top pairs that they're defending with post flop. And now yeah, we're. I just got way too excited about the fish being mine. Sorry. Yeah, you, you did. You're like fish. Let's go. I can. Okay. I can just bet now. So now we're gonna we're gonna head to the break where John has surprise surprise another king queen offsuit hand. I'm, I think this is like out of the last six hands we've gone over in Tactical Tuesday, four of them have been king queen offsuit. So maybe by the end of this episode, John will finally figure out how to play king queen off, but maybe not. So stick around after the break. We'll have another giant pot with a king and a queen in a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do one man coach brad wilson has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds nuffle available now go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash nuffle so john you've used neutralized flop leads in the past 24 hours correct yeah so i got the basically the slide with all the info on it on friday evening and yesterday i played a session of uh 1knl on ignition and played one particular pot that i remember where a fish just donks flop turn river into me and I ended up winning with a hand that I would have folded before looking at the slide, but I ended up winning like a $400 pot instead and the course is $99. So <laughs> definitely paid for itself very, very quickly. And I think that'll be the case for even people that aren't playing as big as 510 No Limit. Like I think this is a course that will very, very quickly pay for itself given how how much more donking there is at lower stakes. And I think one of the most common questions I see asked in the Greatness Village Slack group is, what do donks mean? How do I deal with donk bets? I, I think that's gotta be like in the top three most frequently asked questions. You you ought to feel very excited when somebody donks into you because some good things are about to happen. You said like, you probably don't need anyone to teach the course or like you can just look at the slide and, and learn all the info yourself. I feel like, you, Brad, will have to be there because I am i am almost sure, sure that anybody who looks at the slide won't believe it looking at what they're supposed to do and will have to confirm with you that like you didn't make a massive typo somewhere and that this is 
actually what they're supposed to do because it's pretty shocking the optimal way to deal with fish donking into you on the flop is. If you'd like to check out Neutralize Flop Leads so that you're never again confused when a fish leads into you in a single race pot, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Nuffle. That's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash N-U-F-F-L-E. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to this episode of Tactical Tuesday. Mr. John battling in the 2K streets with some king-queen offsuits. John, why don't you set the listener up for this second hand? So, same situation, 1020. We are playing four-handed. I'm in the cutoff with king of clubs, queen of diamonds, king, queen off. Um, I open to $50, and the big blind, who is a reg, uh, defends called 50. Um, we start the hand 200 big blinds effective. Um, so each uh, the big blind has 4K in his stack. Uh, big blind starts with a check on queen, eight, four, uh, two-tone, queen of hearts, eight of diamonds, four of diamonds. I have the king of clubs and the queen of diamonds. Um, probably going to just be c-betting this flop with range for one-third. That's what I do. I bet $34 and the big blind check raises to $165. So uh, about 5x, uh, 5x check raise. You want to start here? Sure. Uh, did you mention that you're, 200, you're over 200 big blind steep or you're effective 200 big blind steep? So we got 4K in front of us. So stacks are not typical 100 big blinds, which probably influences the size of villains check raise here. But realistically, this feels a little big, right? Just, I mean, just as far as flop check raises go, um, without considering depth. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're check raising like the size of the pot, which is not like obscenely massive. Okay, you just chose a small size, so it looks like it's way bigger <laughs> than <laughs> than maybe it it, huh. it is. Um, but point. it's like it's like the size of the pot. So I don't I don't see really anything out of line. I don't really see anything other than calling and reaching the turn i think your c-bet's fine and then calling the raise is just obviously we're not folding top pair to one flop check raise in this exact spot yeah so uh pretty standard call uh the turn comes the eight of hearts so now there are two flush draws a heart flush draw and a diamond flush draw the board is queen four eight eight just even before the big blinds action i think I thought that this was a great card for me. Um, the types of value hands that I'm worried about getting check raised by on the flop are hands like pocket fours, pocket eights, uh, queen eight suited, and and maybe some eight four suited if uh, if the big blind does defend eight four suited. Um, so yeah, I, I thought the eight of hearts was a great card. Just removes you know limits the combos of value hands that he can have. Um, the big blind bets three hundred and ten dollars into four forty one, so about three quarters pot. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this size. My opinion, the big blind should just start going polar. I think already on the turn once he uh, check raises the flop, um, and you know, uh, my strategy in the spot as a big blind would be to basically say like, "Hey, I have like some draws and basically some boats now, and it's up to you to like figure out which one I have." So I would start polarizing on the turn. Um, I don't think this size is like some massive mistake or anything like that, but uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, uh, they can probably go like, you know, 
125% pod. I think that's pretty reasonable, just going more polar than they are. I would say that I am bearing in mind that the bet on the turn does make me a little nervous. Like I'm already kind of trying to see where the scary, you know, what the scariest river cards are. We have the queen of diamonds, uh, but it's unlikely that villains like check raising with, you know, top pair with a flush draw. I think that that hands a pretty natural flop call. I would be a little concerned once they do decide to fire when the eight pairs though, because we ought to have a fair amount of eight X's in our range that see bet and then do call the check raise. So like we have, a we, we do have eight X in our range. So I would be a little bit concerned that they don't really care about that. And they're still continuing to put money in the middle. Um, also, would try to be aware of like the natural bluffs that they have. I think a lot of them are backdoor hearts to go along with their front door diamonds. I think those hands make a lot of sense. So that's what I would be kind of watching on, uh, on the river. And also like what our range looks like too. Like, I think we have a lot of backdoor hearts in our range as well. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I think <laughs> I agree with everything you said there. So I call the three ten go to a river, which is the deuce of hearts, uh, and there's $1,061 in the middle. The big blind bets uh, about 150% pot, so he bets $1,550. Uh, given what you said about uh, the big blinds check raise on the flop, probably including a lot of backdoor heart hands, like I think you're absolutely right. I think you can definitely hands, have hands, like very obvious hands that come to mind are hands like five, six of hearts, six, seven of hearts, jack nine of hearts, 10 jack of hearts, uh, those sorts of hands that now have flushes. Um, that's not something that I was thinking about in game. I can tell you that. I, I just thought that he was, uh, the big one is going to be a little bit more polarized to like bricked diamonds and bricked gut shots uh, and both. But I do think now, like looking at this hand again with you, I do think that I should have uh, been a little bit more scared of the Deuce of Hearts River than I actually was. And we have a lot of hearts ourselves, right? Like we we have all the same hands that you know, villain has the Jack nine of hearts, the Jack 10 of hearts, the five, six of hearts, the five, seven of hearts, the six, seven of hearts, which basically makes King queen drop as it relates to the strength of the hands in our range. King queen is probably one of the worst hands that we have at this point. I would think. I think in terms of like absolute strength, King queen might be worse, but wouldn't you rather have a hand like King queen rather than like Kings or aces even? Well, yeah, like, I, I mean, we, we block, we block the queen eight boats. Yeah. yeah. But, it's not like we're not fist pumping that we right, have right. we have the king queen right like it's not that high up in our range effectively right. yeah ideally i would like to have like ace queen with the ace of hearts if i'm like getting to choose the hands that i have or king queen with the king of hearts sure 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 okay okay uh i don't know i mean like i don't know does the having the king of hearts matter that much like are we getting check raised by like king jack of hearts or like king ten of hearts like ah, that's that seems like a little bit of a stretch um to me, so I, I don't know how. Relevant. Yeah, maybe, maybe Queen Jack, Queen Jack with the Jack of Hearts there for like trying to pick finer best, sure, sure, best Queen X. Yeah, but um, I think that like villain, you know, I just think that the way that this hand plays out is that like when the front door flush draw misses, I don't know that villain's going to be super inclined to going like one point five X, especially when we have eight X in our range and we have backdoor hearts. It just doesn't seem like villains super incentivized to run a big bluff okay maybe i'm maybe i'm like way uh you know just like off my rocker here but like having 8x i feel like 
is not that much better than having king queen or like having some sort of queen here other than the fact that we block some like now he can't have pocket eights and like we block some like eight four as along with some queen eight but like i almost feel like my hand is like the same thing as like eight x in the spot what he's saying he's made, like he never value bets a hand that's worse than eight x for the size and then all his bluffs are obviously you know losing to queen x and eight x um, if you if you have the jack 10 of diamonds here and villain flashes their cards, right? And they have king-queen. You see them, they don't realize that you saw them. Okay. Okay? Okay. Now, let's imagine that situation, and then an alternative reality, where they flash their cards and show ace-eight of spades. Do you feel better about bluffing the king-queen, or the ace-eight of spades? I feel better about bluffing the king-queen, but... If I'm the person sitting there with ace eight and king queen, I'm saying that like I I wouldn't like I wouldn't be like nice like I have ace eight like now I get to fist bump and like fist bump and call. That's true, but I'm just saying like, are you more or less likely to try to bluff when they when you see the king queen or when you see the ace eight? The king queen, yes, but I, yes, okay. I am more likely to try and bluff the king queen than I am to try and bluff the ace eight. Man, that's very hard to get you to admit. I don't think that matters though. It doesn't really matter. Like that, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the reality is that, like, relatively speaking, they're both the same, like, relative strength hand, right? Uh-huh. Um, I guess with Ace 8, maybe you beat, nah, you're probably not beating very, you're probably beating, not beating anything else than the, than the King Queen. I mean, really, you know, your best hand here could just be like Ace 4, right? Like, that, that's actually a hand that, Maybe the yeah. best hand of them all is like yeah, yeah. down with bottom pair because you block the 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 boats. Right, right. So anyway, beyond all of that, I, I just think that like I don't I don't think villain expects you to fold a large portion of your range when they choose this sizing. They're not targeting, in my opinion, a ton of folds because you have a bunch of strong hands here, which basically leads me to believe that like when they use this size, they're probably under bluffing. Oh. Okay. Yeah, like a combination of this size on this run out. Okay. Just be, I mean, you have like so many strong hands that, that are going to get sticky. And they're like, yeah, cool. Your range is comprised of like, because like you're calling king queen here. Are you calling aces? Are you calling kings? Are you calling 8x? Are you calling your backdoor hearts? You're calling all that shit. So what are you folding? Your busted diamond draws? Cool. You don't need to go 1.5x to fold that out. Yeah. Yeah. And just to like, on what you're saying like uh, i don't know if this, that's what this guy was thinking but like i get pretty excited when i have a value hand on the river and all the draws brick like after i check raise the flop and all the draws brick, i'm like nice like this guy's probably gonna think that like i have one of like you know it's probably gonna overcall the spot because so many front door draws bricked and i'm just gonna i get to bet like 1.5x spot with my value because they very well might overcall the way i do with the queen thinking uh with king queen thinking like okay like look all this stuff bricked um so i just get to call down uh, I get pretty excited about that about those spots. So um, yeah, maybe that's what that's what's happening here as well. And another part of it too is like, uh, would you bluff here on this run out with Jack Ten of Diamonds using this exact sizing? Uh, diamonds, I'd be like the most hesitant to bluff. You know, blocking their blocking what I hope is my makes up the majority of my opponent's folding range. Uh, yeah, having the Jack and Ten too, I think it's not great. Um, Five six of diamonds, six seven of diamonds, five seven of diamonds. I don't. I mean, I would have overbet turn and jammed the river. So I, like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, don't, I don't. I, 
Yeah, maybe I wouldn't bluff this size, you know, with, with the diamonds if I did take this line. Um, Don't forget your 200 big blinds deep, too. Yeah, like, yeah. You're not just, it's not like a 100 big blind pot where you just can overbet rip and it's like, there's two, 200 big blinds in play here. I'm not sure. All, all okay. I know is like you, you end up calling the river and you're, you lose. And my assumption is that, that if you're calling the river here with this hand, you're calling with all those hands and you're over calling. And I guess that can be either good or bad. It can be really good if fill is over bluffing and it could be really bad if fill under bluffing. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, just for the reveal, um, which Brad kind of spoiled, I call the river over bet with King queen and get shown pocket fours, uh, which was um, second boat on bottom set on queen four, eight turn boat. And then, uh, went for the river overbet, which I think is, I think the overbet on the, on the river is, is a really good size. Um, actually now talking about it, maybe it's not because it's just it's so value heavy and they, maybe they don't have a, maybe they don't have as many bluffs as I think they do when they take the flying. Well, it doesn't really matter if population pays them off with all their King queen offsuit. Like yeah. does, does it, it obviously performed very well. So if I were them, I would keep doing it. If I'm going to be getting called by all the queen X's. Oh, yeah. But honestly, like the result of this hand doesn't even tell us very much, like because fours is a hand that's totally in their range and one of the expected hands that they're supposed to have here. So like we don't get to learn whether they're really over bluffing or under bluffing. We can just kind of speculate. Right. Um, and yeah, that that's sort of like maybe not great for the listener, but like that's the reality of poker is that we only play this one singular hand in this situation. So we don't get to know if like they are, you know, bombing off here with like the five, six of diamonds or the six, seven of diamonds or some hand like that. But mm-hmm. it just feels like they don't have, they don't have enough natural bluffs to call down, but. No. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's sort of like, I'm glad we talked about this hand because like when I played it, I was like, ah, just a cooler, you know, like, well, we flop top pair versus bottom set. What, what can you do? And like, you know, all the front doors drop on all the front doors brick on the river. Like, what can you do? But uh, I, I guess there was way more I could have done than just fall down. Well, I think the, the backdoor draw completing is a pretty important piece to the puzzle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was, I did not have enough respect for the decent parts for sure. And, and uh, that, yeah, that's definitely something I was missing. Well, Say la vie. You got four months to crush the 1020 ignition games, right? So I guess I don't know that this hand's ever going to come up ever again <laughs> in this next three months. But if it does, you'll be well prepared. I'm excited to be breaking down more of these 1020 NL hands moving forward in the Tactical Tuesday streets. Thank you very much, John, for yeah, screwing up King Queen offsuit a couple of times uh, <laughs> so that so we can talk about it. I think the count's like show. up to four now for Tiger. Winter, so. I'm aiming yeah. for ten before I move on to a new hand. <laughs> yeah, so get prepared for more King Queen offsuits in the future of Tactical Tuesday. Thank you very much for listening. Best of luck in the live and online streets, and we'll be coming at you next week. Cool. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing Poker and Greatness. If you have yet to subscribe to the show, please take a second to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. For more content from me, Coach Brad, please visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash enhance your edge, and I'll see you next time.